Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry Podcast. My name's Niall Boyce, I'm the editor of the journal, and I'm on location today at the Bethlehem Gallery in Beckenham. I'm here to see an exhibition called Switching Perceptions, which is sponsored by the Royal Society's Public Engagement Fund and also the University of Oxford. And I'm very pleased to have been joined by Eleanor Minnie, who is the artist behind the exhibition, and her collaborator, Professor Liz Tunbridge of the University of Oxford. Hello. 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 So, Eleanor, when I went through the gallery, the main thing which I saw was this really large piece of cream-coloured cloth with various sort of black squares embroidered across it. Could you tell me about that? Yes, so that piece is called Segment of a Self, and it's actually, although it's on cotton calico, all the work on it, all of the lines and the shapes are hand-drawn or inked. The side you're describing with the black shapes is inked with a paintbrush and the other side is hand-inked with pen. And it's, it's quite difficult to sum up in a nutshell, but it's about the layers of Liz's work. And we're starting with the genetic layer, where the black shapes are, and it's a representative section of the genetic regions and the three that Liz is working on in her research. And then we have a layer of wadding, which is where I situate Liz's work in this wadding between the two sides. And then the other side, which is facing the windows, is the the symbols of a self, essentially. So we're situating Liz's research into genetics in the bigger picture of of a holistic individual and their whole life and world. Thank you. And I'd like to bring Liz in here because one of the criticisms, I suppose, of genetic research in neuroscience and especially in the field of something as complex as psychiatry and mental health is that it's somehow reductionist. But from Eleanor's description, it sounds as if the work here is is taking the opposite approach and showing its complexity. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So perhaps it would be helpful if I give you a bit of a background about how how Eleanor and I came together and how this, this work came about. So we've been meeting, I guess, for about two years now, and how we met was a bit random, but we we started talking about uh, my science and and Eleanor's art and um, the intersection between the two. And I suppose a lot of the conversations that we've had are about how you bridge that huge gap between genetics, which is, you know, quite sort of cold, I suppose, and... um, something you can measure in in quite clear ways with the complexity of psychiatric conditions and just what it is to be a human being. And as Eleanor said, my work really attempts to kind of bridge the gap between those two by understanding the mechanisms linking genes and an observed phenotype in a whole individual by looking at different levels, so molecular, cellular, network level. And it is very messy and it is also very entwined with people's perceptions of their experience. And that was something that we've spent a lot of time talking about. And that's the other aspect of the work which I find very interesting, which is that if we think about ourselves in biological terms, I find it hard to integrate that with a sense of who I am. I can talk about my genes or the cells which make me up, but to what extent do I really think of it as as myself or as something which I'm just externally observing? And and your work seems maybe to be exploring that question a little. It definitely is. I think I found it very difficult at the beginning once I started having conversations with Liz to get my head around thinking about something that I couldn't even see with the human eye and that it had such relevance or, or you know actually what we're talking about is an experience on a, on a human level and 
seeing a spreadsheet with genes on it, it would, <laughs> was just not tangible enough for me. So that's the great thing about working through art is we've been able to focus our conversations about quite nebulous and really complicated, intangible things into something that other people can see and respond to and we can build conversations from there. And I suppose that's a side of science communication which maybe we're not so familiar with. So there's the idea of pop science books which take very complex concepts and put them into 200, 300 pages that pretty much anyone can read or understand. And yet I think what's harder to convey is the way in which a scientist sees the world, the way in which, say, you, Liz, would look at a spreadsheet of numbers, as Eleanor puts it, and see something more complex in there, uh, pull that out into someone's life, into someone's narrative. Yeah, I, that's a really common theme, I think. We've spent a lot of time talking about the differences, not only in how I see the world as a scientist, but also the way in which I communicate as a scientist. And I think one of the recurring themes, actually, of the project has been language and how it can help to either bring people together, but also divide them. So so, so yes, I think that's something we've, we've thought about a lot, really, uh, during the development of this work. And I suppose the most tangible example is in talking about one of the questions we're asking people here at the exhibition is, is it my mind that's not working or my brain? And we've talked a lot about these two things. And I suppose, in a sense, as a scientist, I don't really see them as being separate. I think, you know, the mind is just something that arises from the brain whereas I think for Eleanor that it, it, it's, it goes a little bit beyond that so it's been fascinating to have those conversations together and just see how as someone who is quite a reductionist I suppose by nature I'm from a very molecular background to see how that complexity can be conveyed but can also be a barrier to the conversations we've been having. So let's talk a little bit more about this idea of, of mind and brain how is it that you think you'd conceptualise those differently to Liz, Eleanor? I definitely haven't got a definitive answer, but I'm a very analytical person. I do spend a lot of time thinking about the mind, my mind, other people's minds, what is a mind. And at present, it definitely feels much bigger than my brain and myself and this this lifetime and this being here right now. But I haven't got any articulate way to ground that you know for you but I think for me this this collaboration and the the great thing about this project as well is that there's there's not a focus I think for either of us on having answers it's actually about questions and a question is okay just remaining as a question and it's interesting to put that question to members of the public and to other people we're working with or talking to and listening to their responses to the question and it and it can grow or just be for a while but we don't have to resolve it right now it's okay to just be open to possibilities i suppose it's about containing a sense of uncertainty mm. and that's something which i think the arts can do extremely well and that's maybe something which scientists can learn from the arts yeah i think you're right um i suppose for me life isn't inherently uncertain impermanent transitory and yeah, as an artist, an artist, I think it's very, for me anyway, it's very important to, to have been able to accept and, and uh, work with those things as really valuable tools for making work. And actually, to have certain answers, I think I'd find really limiting. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure that Liz feels the same. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose the, some of the conversations we've had have just made me realise about the leaps of faith that I take 
in my own day-to-day research, you know, the leap, the leap of faith that I assume that the mind is something that rises from the brain is a leap of faith in the same way. You know, I, I, can't, I can't explain how you can get from what a cell does to what the whole brain does, but I think you can. I think we just don't understand it yet. And I hope I've kind of conveyed to you some of the sense of wonder I just find in the day-to-day work that I do. You know, it's still astounding to me when I look at a cell in culture or um, even in a, a kind of section of brain it's like a it's it's so busy in there and everything's so beautifully coordinated it's like the perfectly managed city everything's going on and everything's in the right place and, and things are moving about and it's a very dynamic environment and to me it's incredible that that works the vast majority of the time I think it's astounding that we don't treat our brains very well as human beings we bang our heads and we drink and we we do things we know we shouldn't do and yet in most cases, it's totally fine. The brain is incredibly resilient, and I find that wondrous, seeing how fragile it can be. So perhaps we could talk a bit about how your collaboration works, how it got started, and how you've worked together on this particular project. I'm very interested to know about the, the, the day-to-day practicalities of it, how, how it's all put together. Um, well, there's a lot of coffee involved. <laughs> That's probably the main feature. So um, Eleanor and I were initially paired together um, for a project. I won't, I won't name the name, but it, it, we were never really told what we were supposed to do, so actually that didn't come off. But having met a couple of times and discussed the intersection between my work and Eleanor's work I think we got on very well and we were both interested in what the other was doing so really for the first year probably of us working together it was just us getting together maybe once a month or so having coffee talking about the work that I was doing Eleanor's perspective on it and her um, her thoughts um, relating to the kind of wider area of work I'm involved in and then I guess after about a year we had the idea to develop the piece that Eleanor's described, which is the main component of this exhibition. And it was really driven by the publication. Many of your readers will be familiar with the, the large um, publication in Nature of the description of 108 loci associated with schizophrenia. And so we'd been talking about what that meant and and how how complex that data set is and, and generally the genetics of psychiatric conditions are. And Eleanor had conceived of the basis of the, the genome as being switches that could be one state or another. And really, the, the side that you saw on the way through, the kind of black and white squares, is really her conception of what those switches look like. And there's some highlighted in red, which are the three genes out of those 108 that form the basis of my current work. And so so that piece really was Eleanor's response to that one scientific paper and my my response to it scientifically. So, So I think that's kind of a good example it's been a very slow but organic project I think and I think it's worked because we both are interested in similar sorts of questions but from a totally different perspective mm-hmm. and we both get on and we both like to drink quite a lot of coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would I would agree with everything Liz has said it has evolved very organically and I it has been slow growing which is which is great from my perspective because there's been quite a lot to get my head around and also I think because we sort of self-initiated the project and, and weren't responding to anybody else's brief. We've been able to create something bespoke, I suppose, in a way, and, and just respond to our conversations, respond to conversations with others and l- allow it to evolve. You know, we've had quite a lot of time and that's been great. The, these words organic and bespoke, and that's the sense which I get from the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's easy to forget how the world at the moment is very uh, manufactured, is very digital. And then when I see a piece like that, which feels 
so handmade. It, it, it has this tremendously humanizing quality to uh, what is essentially a, a research paper from nature, and I think that's a real achievement to, to manage to synthesize those elements together. Thank you. And, and that, that, that also makes me think about, we've talked about the differences between the way that an artist might perceive the world and the way a scientist might, but it sounds as if you found a lot of common ground as well in this project. Yeah, I think that's true. And I guess the other aspect of the project that we haven't touched on so far is that we've been working with people on the National Psychosis Unit here at the Bethlehem, and that's really also helped to feed into our thinking in the exhibition. So Eleanor and I ran a series of workshops working with, with the people on the ward and getting their responses to some of the questions that we've been thinking about, and that's been absolutely fascinating. And some of their work is represented in the exhibition here. So what have you got planned next? Is there going to be another installation happening or is something you can talk about at the moment? Um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> it's, it's definitely still growing. Um, there's more to come. <laughs> there is one thing we can definitely say. Um, so uh, we've been awarded some more funding from the Royal Society so this is definitely a project that will grow and will continue to evolve. We do have some ideas. We probably shouldn't say specifically what they are at the moment but watch this space. Hopefully in the next few months we will have something exciting to announce. Listen, and Eleanor, thank you very much. I just hope whatever the next project is, it is of a Lancet Psychiatry paper. Um, <laughs> thank you to you, the listener, for downloading this podcast and I hope you'll join us again next time. But for now, goodbye.